Amen. I have the, I have the privilege of, of introducing Pastor Bernie Hartog. And first of all, I want to say, I want to thank Hill City for contacting me and saying, listen, we have Pastor Bernie. Would you like to have him one Sunday? We have some amazing churches that we fellowship with in Abbotsford and Langley and Chilliwack that we are not afraid to hold back, but they actually release and say, why don't you enjoy him as well? And so uh, although there's nobody here from Hill City, I will make sure I let Pastor Mitch know how much we appreciated Hill City giving us the opportunity to hear from Pastor Bernie. Amen? It's okay to bless other churches. It's okay. I'm not afraid to. Uh, they, they, they are amazing. They are amazing, and I love them dearly. They have stood with us. They stand beside us. You know they actually pray for us? <laughs> I'll take it. They pray for us. They are our brothers. They are standing with us. So Pastor Bernie, is, this is his third Sunday, third time he's been with us. The first time he came was maybe 10 years, maybe even longer than that. Um, we've been here for eight years, so yeah, a, a solid 10 years. And he had a prophetic word when he preached, and he said to Pastor Nelson at that time, he said, get ready, you're going to double. And Pastor Nelson, whenever he, Pastor Nelson hears a prophetic word, he records it and he maintains, he keeps it in front of his eyes. Whenever you get a prophetic word, don't let it fall and drop. Hang on to it. And so Pastor Nelson started to talk to, to Daniel and myself, and, the, and he says, we got to watch out here. Something's going to happen. We're going to double. And you know what? We doubled. Because when you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, you receive the prophet's reward. Then last time Pastor Bernie came, he shared, and, and the passage he shared on, and the, the message was about what can you do in order to support or be a part of Solid Rock. And since then, we have seen an amazing increase in involvement and participation from you. It's not just the pastoral team, it's all of us that are part of this. And, and that was part of the seed that he sowed. So I'm looking forward to today to receive what you have for us. Can you welcome Pastor Bernie this morning? When they give you such a wonderful introduction, you wonder where on earth you're going to go to next. But thank you, Pastor David. I really appreciate that. I, I never take it lightly when other churches open their pulpit to us because that's an awesome thing to do. It really is. And I'm always glad when I hear a prophetic word that you've given and then years later they say it's all come to pass. That's really good. That's really good. So greetings from down under, down under. Because we are from Tasmania, that's the southernmost state in Australia, and the next part is the Arctic. There's nothing in between. So this morning I want to speak on achieving God's intended end, and that's for your lives. Before I do that, I really felt that when we were praising and worshipping the Lord this morning, that there was such an abandonment in the hearts and the lives of the people that Jesus started singing over us. 
Come on, we find that in the Bible. I will rejoice and I will sing over you, you know. And, and, and I really felt that that's what the Holy Spirit was saying this morning. Jesus was rejoicing over us. You know, we have this idea that Jesus' work is all finished. He's seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. He's interceding for all of us. Come on, that's worth a little amen at least. You know, so in all those things, we really need to understand that God is at work in us beyond what we can ask or think or imagine. That little boy here this morning, I said to Pastor David, the little blonde-haired boy, he's going to be a worshiper. I'm telling you that now. That is the word of the Lord for that little boy. He's going to be a worshiper. Allow him the liberty to function in that area. You know, the little kids were dancing, but there was a call on that little boy's life. There's a call on that little. Whose son is he? Wow. Just let him get into that zone on a regular basis. You know, like... He was, just, he, was just, he was just enjoying himself in the presence of God. I can see the difference between kids that are just dancing and having a good time or those that are really enjoying the presence of God. He was enjoying the presence of God this morning. I want to read from Psalm 139, verse 16. And uh, there's a reason for that. This is what it says. Verse 16, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they were all written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. In, in another translation, this is what it reads. You know exactly how I was made, bit by bit how I was sculpted from nothing into something. Like an open book, you watched me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life were spread out before you, the days of my life all prepared before I had ever lived one day. We need to understand that God has written a book about us already. The best place for us to be is on the page of the book. I really believe that's where I am. I'm doing what God's called me to do and it is so exciting and so joyful, I just pinch myself every now and say, is this all real? And it is. So that's what God has got in. You know, like we need to spend more time saying, God, what is my destiny? Where do you want to take me so I can really come in alignment with you, in alignment with your word, in alignment with your spirit, hear the voice of the spirit saying, this is the way, walk you in it. And then we start to do things that we have never done before. We have dreamt about it, but we haven't done it. No matter what situations and circumstances we face, we need to exercise a certain faith. Can I hear an amen? Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders received the good report. Not because they were so good in other areas, but they had faith believing in God. They trusted God implicitly, and because of that, because of that, they obtained a good testimony. Faith in Christ is really substantial. It's not something that, that is etherical or something that's airy-fairy. It is real. 
It is real. You can trust God to achieve his intended end in your life. And sometimes that will work in a way that you have no idea how it's going to work. When my father and mother took me from Holland all the way to Australia, Tasmania, and I went from having two grandmothers, having about 20 uncles and aunties to having nothing at all. And I got into trouble straight away because I couldn't speak a word of English. And I started to fight and I said to my younger brothers and sisters, if anybody gives you any trouble, just come and see me, I'll fix them up. And I did. (laughs) Now I look back after all those years and I can see that God prepared me then for the life I live now. When God calls you, calls you to lead a church, pioneer a church, Pastor Nelson, is that easy? Oh, in, no, no, I'm not talking about in him. I'm talking in the natural now. Is it easy? You've got to fight. You've got to break through. You've got mountains to climb. You've got hills to really burrow through from time to time. And God taught me to fight then in the natural, and he prepared me to fight in the spiritual. And many times people would say, Bernie, just give up. I said, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to go through. I am going to see me, you know, reach my destiny in Christ. So James is talking about having faith in James 5, 7 to 11 that endures and awaits the return of Christ. And we really need to be in that area. Faith and patience will establish our hearts and enable believers to endure, to be persevering, staying true to the faith through hardships of seasons of self-denial and suffering. We go through all those things, but we need to remember it came to pass. It didn't come to stay. I'm talking to somebody here this morning. You know, like... It comes to pass. It doesn't come to stay. God will take you through. Indeed, we count them blessed. Verse 11 of that happy who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord. Can you imagine here he is sitting on an ash heap. He's lost everything. He's lost his sons and his daughters. He's kept his wife and she says, why don't you curse God and die? Wonderful, wonderful counsel. Now he's sitting on an ash heap and he's got a bit of glass or a pot shirt and he's scratching his sores. This is what he says. I trust God and his word more than my necessary food. That's going through the battle. That's going through the trial. That's going through the valley. But it doesn't faze him in any way. He said, I know that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. It is in our trials that we find great compassion and mercy for ourselves, so we are enabled to give out to others. With the same comfort that God has comforted you with, you in turn will comfort others. Can I hear an amen? That's what really starts to happen. It's not that God wants to destroy us. He wants to make us strong so we can comfort others. Job received his intended end. God proved him and Job perceived and found God faithful. That's what happened. Through all his losses, trials and weaknesses, we too are blessed and happy when we endure and persevere. We fix our eyes on God by his perfecting grace. He takes us through to his intended end for the better. Come on. It's for the better. 
Job was restored double. And they say, no, well, he never got double his children. Yes, he did. He had half in heaven and half on earth. He did. We have to see it beyond our natural eyes and start looking with our spiritual eyes so we can look into something that is not as though it were. That's the place that God wants to bring us to. In 2 Timothy 4, verse 6 to 8, Paul was a very mortal man whom God allowed to fudge such, such trials and perils that most of us will never, ever have to go through. But he was filled with confidence and great hope. I love that scripture in Ecclesiastes 7, verse 8, where it says, the end of a thing is better than the beginning. Thank you, Jesus. You know, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for the end of the thing to be better than the beginning. This is what he says. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Awesome statement. Courageous faith. I endured. I have fought. That means it wasn't easy. You know, we have, oh, come to Jesus and everything's going to be unky-dory. No, you come to Jesus and you have trouble with a capital T for a little while. <laughs> come on, that's how it is. But it's all for his plan and purpose to make you the man or the woman that God wants you to be. Paul was a man of purpose. He knew his calling, his goal. He had taken aim with the objective of pleasing God for the rest of his life. I've often said to the church at home, if Jesus does nothing for me for the rest of my life, I'll serve him gratefully for what he's done. Amen. Come on. I was on my way to hell. Now I'm going to glory. Give you a little example. When I had my knee done uh, 40 odd years ago, uh, my knee was stuck like this and I couldn't straighten it out. So they had to take the meniscus out. And uh, I was laying in the hospital. It was freezing cold in that operating theater, but I was sweating like you wouldn't believe. I was so petrified of dying because I wasn't saved. And that's when I heard the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ say, Bernie, who's been the boss of your life all of your life? I said, me. He said, you make me the Lord of your life and I'll lead you for the rest of your life. And straight away I started repenting of everything that the Holy Spirit brought to my memory. And when they stuck that needle in my hand, I couldn't have cared less whether I lived or died. Fast forward 35, 37 years, my gallbladder busted. And the doctors kept saying, oh, you've got a terrible raging temperature, you know, but they didn't tell me what was wrong. And I'm laying in bed and I say, Jesus, I'm ready to come. Fear? Jesus, I'm ready. I didn't, never told my wife until after I came out of hospital. That's what I was saying. But that's what I was feeling. I'm ready. I'm going to achieve my intended end. I, I win. You win. You're going to achieve your attended end. You win. You win. Can you imagine Paul coming into a congregation and he's got relatives of those that he's put in jail or caused to be murdered? Oh, my goodness. He despised his old life as a Jew, as a Hebrew. When he chose to follow Christ, his past position in this world was left behind. He positioned himself in Jesus Christ to set certain things in place in order to achieve the purpose and God's promise for his life. How about you and me? 
Are we putting things in place? Are we being strategic? When I got saved, I I was called by God straight out of the fishing industry into the ministry. I had never preached a sermon in my life. And when I got up, my knees were shaking. There wasn't much colour in my face. My wife was sitting on the front seats praying for me. Oh, God, give him the ability to finish. She still prays that prayer, but now she makes it slightly different. Get him to finish. (laughs) You know, like things change over 38 years or so. They really do. So that it's not the same anymore. What are your convictions? Come on, this is a question. What are your convictions? You know, is it going to be, I don't care what happens in life, I'm going to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to praise him. I'm going to worship him. You know, not for the situation, but in the situation, I'm going to praise him. Just like Paul and Silas. Here they are in the prison and they're singing hymns. And God starts tapping his feet. An earthquake and everything comes loose. That's, that's good. You know, like, come on. We, we, we have no idea what he's able to do for us. As long as our response to him is always glorious. Glorious. What biblical values have we set in place to adhere to? What have we set in place? We have got unsaved grandchildren. And when they come to our place, we always have devotions at our, our, our dinner table. And they say, Pa, did you pick that one just for us? It was so real. And I show them the date. And they go, well, isn't that amazing? That's today's date. I said, that's our God. Come on. If you do that, you set things down and you say, come on. This is, we don't stop doing things just because we come into the presence of unsafe people. That's like going to a restaurant and you always pray before your meal and you go to the restaurant and you go, uh, let's just dig in. No, no, you pray first. Come on, let the people see that you're calling out to God. Let them see. Are we faithful to choose God's way in his intended end for our lives, regardless of what happens? You know that no one else can achieve the purpose that God has set for you? I believe that with all my heart. We are all unique, gifted individuals that God has deposited something into our life. Listen to what he says about Jeremiah. Before you was born, I knew you. He knows us at the time of conception. Something happens and he puts a God factor into our life. Those that acknowledge it are called Christians. Those that don't acknowledge it are called unbelievers. But no one else can do this. You alone can bring that about. To serve Christ faithfully and fruitfully is only proven when you start doing what he asks you to do. And that can come in various ways. For us, he said, I want you to sow everything that you have, sow it into the kingdom and come follow me. And the reason that he asked me to do that, because... The dollar was my idol. He said, I want you to get rid of it all. I had three houses, three boats and lands and an abalone license. And when he said that to me, I said, God, you're making a big mistake. 
Who's ever tried to be an advisor to God <laughs> besides me? Oh, no, none of you, but yeah, I, I have tried really hard. I have uh, argued with him. I have said, if you do this, this and this, things will work out much better. He never, ever took any notice of me. <laughs> so the moral of the story, just say yes when God speaks to you. Amen. So we did. We sold it all. We've got seven children. They all went through private education. For the first five years of the church life, we never got any salary at all. And he never failed us once. The times that there would be a big brown box right in front of the door and we'd walk out and we'd open the brown box and there'd be a whole cow in it already cut up, ready to put in the freezer. T-bone steaks, mincemeat, all the good cuts. No idea where they ever came from. You know, and people say, well, God, he can't do, he can't do anything with nothing. You better believe he can. One day a truck arrived and there's a desk on there because I'm complaining to my wife, I haven't even got a desk to write out my sermons on. Well, one day this desk arrives on the back of a truck and he says, Mr. Hardog, I was outside mowing the lawn. I said, that's me. So I've got a desk for you. I said, not for me because I looked at that desk and I thought that cost a lot of money. And I didn't have any money. So he said, is this 39 Illawarra Road? I said, yes, it is. He said, it's your desk. I said, no, it isn't, mate. I said, you got the wrong address. He said, it's paid for. I said, bring it in. <laughs> Everything changes when God comes through in such an amazing way because he's spoken. He said, I'm going to take care of you if you put your hand in my hand. That's what he's asking of all of us, by the way. Doesn't matter what ministry or what gifting you have. He says, put your hand in my hand. Come walk with me and see what I can do in you and through you. Amen. We don't believe that. We just warm a pew every Sunday, pay our tithes and walk out and do nothing. That's not God's plan and purpose for your intended end. Amen. He doesn't want that. He wants you functioning. That's what the fivefold gift ministry is for, to equip the body for the work of ministry, not so they can do it all. Oh, well, somebody's scratching their head. It's a little bit like paying a loan off in 25, you know, you've got a 25-year housing loan and you say, we're going to pay it off in 11. It's not just going to happen. We wish it would, but it doesn't. It's not going to happen. My daughter, she's very much like me in the whole area of finances. She's willing to do without to make sure she gets to her intended end. By the time she was 29 years old, she had four children and the house was paid for. They wouldn't buy a new couch. They wouldn't buy new clothes. It's all going into principle. Repayment, repayment. And then they went to the mission field for 10 years. And they drew $25,000 alone so he could get his pilot's license because he was going to be a pilot on the mission field. They're over there right now as I speak, going back, meeting all the friends that they made many years ago. What an awesome thing. In Christ, God's intended for you and I to be winners. Turn to your neighbor and say, God intended me to be a winner. Come on. Come on, tell each other. You need to hear it. You need to hear it. 
what is your purpose in God? That's a good question to ask, beyond our eternal destiny in, in glory. What is God's purpose for you here on earth? You know that the one that sweeps or vacuums is just as important as the preacher, just different. We have this idea, oh, they're right up there. No, no, no. They're actually underneath pushing you up to your intended end. That's, that's what's happening. We, we are servants of the Most High God and so privileged to be so. We really are. What are you prepared to leave behind or put in place? to make that happen. What is your strategy? Come on. We need to stand in front of the mirror sometimes and have a good look at ourselves and say, okay, what am I doing to achieve God's intended end for my life? Rather than just go to sleep, wake up, have breakfast, go to work, come home, eat some more, go back to sleep. Life's more than that. It is. You want to try a 40-day fast sometimes and don't do it because I said so. Do it if God says so. You know, like I've, a friend of mine did that. He said, everything went wrong. I said, why did you do it? He said, you had so many good stories to tell when you did your 40-day fast. I said, the Holy Spirit asked me to do it. And when Susie said, what are we going to pray for? I said, we are going to seek his face. Not his hands, not what he was able to give us. We're going to seek his face. It was awesome. 13 people got saved in that 40 days in our church and we weren't even doing evangelism. 80,000 came in over top of our tithes and offerings and we hadn't told anybody that we had a need. When we got to day 37, I said to Susie, do you think we should go a little bit longer? Because so many good things were happening. And I tell you what, I was really skinny. <laughs> I bought a pair of trousers, Pastor Nelson, and I, and I did a wedding in those new trousers because I thought I would never put on weight again. Eight months later, I couldn't even get my leg in there. <laughs> we have these stupid natural ideas. They're not God ideas, they're natural ones. Okay, are you willing to sacrifice materially to achieve that end. What if God was to say, I want you to sell your car, I want you to sell something that's precious to you now, would you do it? Because God has shown you there's a certain direction to go. I could tell you story after story. We gave a car away because I really felt in the Holy Spirit that that person should receive our station wagon. Two weeks later, somebody rang me and they said, I hear that you're buying a new car. I said, yeah, we are. He said, can I give you a gift? I said, sure. A week later, I got a check in the mail for $10,000. Instead of paying my car off on plan, I paid cash for it. See, God has this thing, given it shall be given to you with the same measure that you give, it's going to be measured back unto you. The thing is, God's hands are much bigger than ours. So when he said, I'll give you a hand on, get, get ready, something's going to happen. So what's your commitment in the prayers of your heart? What's your commitment towards that? Job cried out in all of his troubles. Can I say something? God wants to hear your voice. 
not just when you sing. You know, sometimes we're not willing to confess what we should be confessors. Uh, so, <laughs> I'll get that out in a minute. Sometimes we're not willing to confess what God feels we should confess, so he puts a song up and he gets us to sing it. And he says, I heard you say it. <laughs> I think he tricks us sometimes. That's how our church started. My friend who was an evangelist, he said, uh, Bernie, where do all these people come from? I said, oh, from all over the place. I said, why? He said, they look like sheep without a shepherd. I said, hang on a minute. I'm a rich fisherman. I want to stay a rich fisherman. Don't talk to me about shepherding. And in exasperation, he says, won't you even pray about it? I said, okay. Well, I shouldn't have said that. Of course, as I prayed, God convicted me. These are sheep that need to be looked after. So I told him that the next day. Well, that night, he was the speaker at a meeting in our house. And he said, tomorrow, Bernie and Susie are going to have a church service at 10 o'clock in the morning. And all the people that want to come, they may come. That's how our church started. 27 people turned up. And we just grew from there. So careful what you say. God wants to hear your voice. Your heart's cry in prayer to him will avail much. It says that in James 5, 16, we know that the prayer of a righteous man avails much. But we look at Jeremiah 33, 3, Call unto me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you know not of. In the margin it says inaccessible things. So doors that have always been shut, you start to cry out to God and God starts to open doors that were inaccessible before. We have this idea, our oh, prayer, that's work. Yes, it is, but it's very valuable work. God knows all about us, but he wants to hear our voice. He wants us to declare. Isn't that what he said to Ezekiel? Can these bones live? Oh, Lord, you know. He said, prophesy. In other words, make declaration. And that needs to happen under the instruction of the Holy Spirit. But when the Holy Spirit instructs us to do something, you can bet your bottom dollar something's going to happen. Come on, it does. It's not, it's not weird. It's calling those things that are not into being as though they were. That's what's starting to happen. Listen what Jesus said to Peter. I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail. He didn't say his riches or anything else or his marriage. He says your faith because that's more important than anything else. And Peter did fail a few times. But he said, when you have come back, he says, encourage others. So he went through a test and Jesus is praying for him that his faith would remain strong. He denies Jesus. A little while later, he gets filled with the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, he preaches a message. I want to preach a message like that one day. 3,000 got saved. I've seen 1,000 get saved in one altar call. I've never seen three. I'd like to see three. You know? I'd like to have transport where I don't have to sit on a plane for 14 hours. You know, like all those things. I believe they are available in God's economy as we keep reaching out to him and keep 
plugging into him and saying, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. Because the more you do that, the more he trusts you with his gifting. Jeremiah 17, 5 to 10 says, I search the heart, I test the mind, even to give to every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doing. It's not just the confession stuff, it's the doing stuff. Monkey see, monkey do. Kids will listen to you, but if you do something different than what you're saying, they'll be confused. Come on, that's reality. Faith equals trust in God. I'll say that again. Faith equals trust in God. Faith finds its expression in prayer. A huge key in our ongoing walk, we trust God in prayer because we walk by faith, not by... Come on, finish it for me. Sight. That's right. Faith is grounded in God's word. Not just the mental assent or verbal parroting, but the kind of faith that is full of good fruit. Believing, sowing to the everlasting spirit of God. And that's what Galatians 6, 8 says. He said, you sow to the spirit, from the spirit you shall also reap eternal life. There's a reaping. When there's a sowing, there's a reaping. I am a real keen gardener. When I put one potato in, I don't want one potato to come up. I want a dozen. I'm looking for a hundredfold that Isaac had in the Old Testament. And it said he became very rich. I am looking for the day that when I dig and dig and dig and keep on digging and I got 98, 99, Susie, I got 100. And people say, why do you want all that stuff that's in the Bible? Because I believe it's for me. I test it out in the bathtub. I put about this much water in it and I go, oh, it went through. But one day it might come to pass and say, well, you've been trying long enough. Now I'm going to let you stand. And people say, why, you, why do you do these stupid things? Why not? It's in the word. They did it. God, give me some of that stuff as well. Faith is in the spirit of God. Our God is with us, in us. The third person of the Trinity. And so often we're asking other people, we should be asking the Holy Spirit, what should I say? How should I say it? When should I say it? Come on, I've given prophetic words like that where people in the norm would never have accepted it, but because I've, I've verbalized it in such a way as the Holy Spirit was telling me, they'd say, that's the word of the Lord. And the people that said that didn't even believe in the Holy Spirit. God is ever true to his word. Amen? Building yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. We need to do that a lot. We bypass the devil. Only God understands. That's what it says in Corinthians. So you can just go, <laughs> can't understand what I'm talking about, but God does. Genuine faith is a long life commitment. Come on. I've heard people say, well, I tithed for about five months and nothing changed. 
well, that really doesn't make sense to me at all. I tried my wife for five months and it didn't work. <laughs> so they get a new one. Come on, that's, that's, not, that's not how it works. Faith is a lifelong commitment because he's made an eternity commitment to you. And we, in response, make a lifelong commitment that will go right into eternity. That's going to be awesome. I'm looking forward to the day. And people say, you don't really want to go to heaven. I say, yes, I do. And it's not because I don't enjoy my wife, my children, my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren. I enjoy them all, but it's going to be so much better up there, I'm telling you. I'll be able to sing pure. Rather than with a loud voice and a, and, and a terrible, you know, passage out. Like a friend of mine said, I was asked to sing a song once, Silent Night on the Hill Far Away. <laughs> you know, there's some quotes, Rome wasn't built in a day. Faith is not here today and gone tomorrow. Jesus isn't building a mushroom church. He is building a much room church. Come on, that's what he's doing. It's, 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 it's going to go on. He's coming back for his church. He's not coming back for other stuff. His church that he's the head of. Faith in Christ is rock solid. It's an everlasting destiny. We and you are in the process of being built together as living stones into God's spiritual house. God has already been working in our lives for about close to 40 years. But you know, all the structural buildings that we've put on our church property, it, it's, it's amazing as to what God has done. And it wasn't just built in a day. In the last two years, we've just spent over $3 million building more classrooms because we've got a Christian school with 400 children in there that's going to grow to 650. And we've already got 13-year-olds that can lead praise and worship to a congregation of 600. They learn that in the school. We've got non-Christians and they have to sign on the bottom line. They will be taught God's word. They will be taught about baptism in water, baptism in the Holy Spirit. They will be taught about being born again, all those things. Do you want to sign there? I want my kid to go to this school. Well, sign there. And they do. They do. And kids are getting saved in the school because the teachers that we hire, we got to make sure that they're able to lead somebody to Christ. They're not just there to teach mathematics or English or algebra or geography. They're there. They are God's servants in that place because that school is a ministry of our church. The church owns that school. That's how it is. But sometimes God says, I want you to give up some things. He asked Susie and me to give up the lifestyle that we had with, the, with an abalone license and, and all the stuff that I've been doing. And then when we gave that up, I got an offer to become a manager in an in, in a, in a, in a abalone fishing uh, co-op. They said they didn't trust anybody else, but they knew they could trust me. Isn't it amazing what you have in the world? Because I was saved the last six years of my diving life and they could trust you. It's amazing. And I was offered to go into politics when I was 61 years old. I was guaranteed a seat. And this is what I said to the man. I said, will I lead the party? And he goes, yeah, get away. You've got to do your apprenticeship. I said, then I'm not interested. 
because I wanted to change the state of Tasmania for the good of every Tasmanian. And a lot of people that go into those positions of power, they go in there and they stay in there by always pushing this aside, pushing that aside. They promise this, but they don't do it because they might lose votes. Come on, we need to be resolute as Christians. I've got a destiny. And I've got a vision as to how I'm going to get there. That's, that, that's it. Look at Paul in Acts 26, 14 to 23. Immediately Paul was converted and, and was called directly by Jesus. He obeyed immediately. Was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, even in the face of dire opposition. Paul worked with the Lord in achieving his purpose for his life. And our testimony is a little bit like that. When he called us and he said, I want you to do this, trembling, we did it. We put our hand in his hand and he started to lead us. And we have seen amazing things. An abalone license today in, in Tasmania is worth $7 million. That's the one I had. If I was poaching on the West Coast, and I wouldn't advise anybody to do that because the, the fines are very, very expensive, but I could make $125,000 in one day. That's the kind of earning power it had. And it's peanuts in comparison to serving Jesus Christ. Come on, look at me. It's peanuts in comparison to serving the Lord Jesus Christ. I would do it all over again, give it all up all over again, just to see that through the prophetic word, you speak into people's lives and their whole lives are changed. Nobody can do that with money. Just can't be done. Waiting for God's promises to come to pass gets harder and it can be really trying as we grow in God's grace as we respond to him in the testings of our faith. Our future and the unknown ahead was reason for crying out in prayer and declaring our trust in God. Many times we couldn't see even where to put our next step, but we trusted in God. So we put all our eggs in one basket and gave them to the Lord. Everything that we had. He's never, ever failed us yet. People have, not him. Not him. God chooses and appoints us for his kingdom work because he is interested in seeing fruit. Oh, oh, oh I hate this clock. Okay. All right. John Mason tells a story about a Chinese bamboo tree. That Chinese bamboo tree is manured and water is poured on it every month for four years. Nothing grows. In the fifth year, they again water it and manure it and it grows 27 metres in five weeks. That's 32.14 millimetres per hour. You can sit in your chair and watch that sucker grow. <laughs> and every hour you say, God, you are amazing. Look at that thing grow. And look at that thing grow. And look at that thing grow. And look at that thing. My goodness, how high is it going to get? Now, the question is, did it grow 27 metres in five days or five weeks or in five years? Come on. Feedback. 
five years, exactly. Because if it had any time that it stopped watering and stopped manuring, the thing would have died or stunted, one or the other. Our faith is exactly the same. Faith has no time frame attached to it. Faith has no time frame attached to it. For God has an intended end. Sometimes this means walking through open doors until suddenly you just know what you was born for. And then as you are obedient, you will start to bloom and grow on to maturity there. Some have God's will confirmed more fully through the prophetic words, or God may speak directly by impression to their hearts or have it confirmed by other fruitful, mature brothers and sisters. Listen to what God's word says, and I'll just do it with this one verse. I thank my God in every prayer of mine for your fellowship or cooperations in the gospel until now. I am convinced and sure of this very thing that he who began a good work in you will continue until the day of Jesus Christ right up to the time of his return. Developing that good work and perfecting and bringing it to full completion in you. That is our God bringing us to our intended end. Greater things are yet to be done. Let God expand you to the point that you go, don't stretch me any further, God. I hear this, and you say, enough, and he goes, no more. But in the expansion, God is going to broaden your mantle of authority. It's going to broaden wider and wider and wider. Allow God to do the work without the work that he wants to do in your life. You will not achieve it. You will not achieve it by natural means. You will achieve it by spiritual means. I see the authority just growing. I see people coming around you, a little bit like Peter. They wanted to stand in his shadow just in case they were sick, you know. And they said, that's what it says in the Acts just in case his shadow might fall on them and heal them. People want to draw from you. They want to be with you and just draw something of what God is giving you. It's not going to happen in a, like that. It's going to happen over a period of time. Be patient. Allow God to do his work. And you're going to see God's intended end for your life. And you're going to look back and you go, wow, that was a good ride, Lord. <laughs> Come on, it's good. It's good. We have trouble between getting the promise and the fulfillment. And in that area, we go, God, what are you doing? If we would listen, he says, I'm doing the work. Just be patient. You know, with God, a thousand years is like a day and a day like a thousand years. When he says, just a moment, just hang on for a while. <laughs> well, that's how it is. That's how it is. This lady here interceding get ready to shut the door behind you in a prayer closet and I'm talking about an actual closet I see you going in the closet and I see you weeping tears for other people not for yourself for others and as you do that and you are faithful in it God will reward you openly just like the scriptures say but I see you 
helping people walk through life that they're not able to achieve by themselves. And it's your prayer before the throne of God that's going to bring a, an amazing change to the lives of those people. And when you see God answer you, when you see God answer you in that way, you go, wow, let's spend some more time in the closet. <laughs> it's going to have that kind of an effect. Teach other people when you've been doing it for a while. Don't teach them a theory. Teach them what it's like to practice the presence of God. Practice being an intercessor in the closet with God and then tell them, this is how I do it. You don't have to tell them they have to do it exactly the same way. Just this is how I do it and these are the results that God has given me. That's going to be a powerful testimony in your life. Hallelujah. Have you ever read through the Bible from beginning to end? Start doing it. Start doing it. You really need to because people are going to come to you and ask you really curly questions, biblically speaking. And you don't want to go, I don't really know what you're talking about. You want to be able to give them an answer from the Word of God led by the Spirit of God as to how you should couch it so you can actually help people start reading the Word. I read the Old Testament once a year, the New Testament twice a year. I've been doing that for over 36 years. It's a joy. Okay, I'm just confirming what the calling was. Now just go do it. I'm one of these Dutch prophets, you know. Just do it. I think that's what God says too. I really do. Come on, put your hand in my hand. Just do it. Jesus says something really interesting in uh, John chapter 14. He says, those who are my friends and love me, they will keep my word. It's not something that we say, oh, well, whenever. No, no, there's a doing stuff. It's the doing that God, you get God's attention in the doing, not in the knowing. A lot of people say, oh, I know that. What, what, what are you doing with it? Well, nothing. Well, that's, that's useless. Read the Bible. Read the Bible. I implore you, read the Bible so people won't be disappointed when they come to talk to you and ask you those really curly questions. Amen? Amen. Couple? Why aren't you holding hands? <laughs> oh, you come good. Uh, that, that's brownie points, definitely. God is going to start pouring into your life in a new measure, love for each other, respect for each other, honour for each other. That is going to be tangible and visible to other people. They're going to stay stuff like, I really want what they've got. Now, I don't know, have no idea. This is the good thing. I don't know anything about anybody. So I can just go in and say what I feel the Holy Spirit saying. When you walk into the supermarket, hold hands with this lovely lady and smile at her, even when she's wanting to buy outrageous things. (laughs) (laughs) People are looking at you guys. 
I'm telling you, they really are. They are looking. I've seen people come to Christ because they have walked up to couples and said, whatever you have, I want. It has to be seen in our lives, not just heard from our mouths. It's got, it's got to be experientially real. Now, me and my wife, before I got saved, we were like fire and water. She was strong, I was strong. Are you laughing with me or? Oh, okay, okay. Just wondering. And that didn't change. I, we loved each other, we just didn't know how to do life. Until I got filled with the Holy Spirit. And everything started to change. I'm not saying I've arrived. Some stuff has taken me 45 years to learn. And I'm still learning. But let it be seen by others. And it'll do so much good in your own relationship. You got any children? Not yet. It'll come. It'll come but in God's timing. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We serve such a faithful and amazing God. And some people say, well, I was waiting for him to prophesy over me and he didn't say anything. Maybe God is really happy with where you are at right now. You know, I've seen people in congregations, some are sliding down the chairs because they don't want you to see them, and others are sitting up really high, pick me, pick me. <laughs> you see all those things, and that, that, is, that is true. That really happens. So, but wait on God. Just wait on God. That couple over there, your life's not over. You really need to hear that this morning. Your life is not over. And there is so much wisdom that God has poured into your lives and it needs to be let out. It needs to come out. Open your mouth. That's what the psalmist says, and I will fill it. And you have a little bit of trouble just opening your mouth. Is that right? God would say to you this morning, open your mouth. I'm going to fill your mouth with living words. Hear what I'm saying? Living words. That is going to bring life to other people. Don't hold it all in. Start to share all the good things that God has done both in you and through you. People want to hear it from people that have walked a long time on this earth. It's really special. I get that privilege speaking in the lives of my grandchildren when they don't do what their father and mother tell them to do. I said, excuse me. I said, did you hear what your father said? Because <gasps> pa is really nice most of the time until they're disobedient to their parents. And all of a sudden, they become really obedient. And I go, ah, had some influence in their life. <laughs> and it's always for good. I never tried to usurp mum and dad's authority. That's not my role. But to undergird that, their authority, yes. And let the children know that I undergird them and that I honour them in the position that God has given them. Hallelujah.
Hi. Can you give me a high five? Yeah, good one. You're going to lead in a much greater way than what you've been leading before. What you're doing now is just the beginning. It's almost like an apprenticeship, although you're doing it very well already. And yet God is going to bring expansion to your life. And I'm not convinced that you are looking for that. But God is going to work such a love in your heart for the things of God that nothing else will satisfy except that. Because leading people into God's presence is a, is a, is a really serious task. In his presence, there's fullness of joy. In his presence, there's life forevermore. In his presence, great things happen. As long as we always remember, he is the one that we're seeking. Not the experience, as good as what it is, we worship him. We honor him for all that he's done, is doing, and will continue to do. There's going to be, God is going to plumb some new depths into you. You're going to write songs. I don't know if you've been writing, but you're going to write songs. So get down with a piece of paper when the Spirit of God comes upon you and just start writing. Don't worry about the tune that will come after. Just write the words. And I just see words of honour and glory and adoration coming from your pen as you're writing it. People from all over Canada are going to sing the songs that you write. Come on. We've got to get back to what God is wanting to do for your intended end, not for his, yours. Because you're the one I'm talking to. God's got something special for each and every one of us. And for each and every one of us, it's different. Don't ever look at others and say, I wish I could. Don't go there. Comparing yourself with other people, that's a, that's a downward spiral. I know, I've been there, wanting to be like Kevin Connor. And when I did a, a conference for him, I said, how did I go? Oh, he said, you did really well. I said, how did I really go? And he says, you'll never be a Kevin Connor. I was devastated. <laughs> then he said something else. He said, you know, when you did the first session, he says, about a quarter of an hour in, nearly everybody was crying. He says, I haven't been able to do that in 60 years. He said, you are unique as I am unique. Remember that you are unique in God. Amen. Amen. Pastor David, I think I'm finished. Amen. Pastor Bernie is leaving tomorrow morning very early. Can you stretch forth your hands and let's just pray for him for travel mercies. I've done a few ministry trips and when you're doing the ministry, you are 100% there. You miss home, but you are knowing that you're doing what God calls you to do. But when you finish that assignment and you get ready to go home, there's something deep inside of you that just says home, home, home. And you're not finished. I know that you have passed on the leadership of the MFI in that Asia area. 
But God says you're not done. And those passions in your heart that say a thousand, why not three? Don't ever stop looking at what God has, what he says, and what he can do. Your days ahead of you are greater than those behind you. I see you looking ahead. And there's a cloud going before you. And you've longed to see the glory cloud. You've longed to see the glory of God. Well, God is telling you you're going to see it. But it's going to bring you into a different dimension than you've been functioning in. Because in his presence, there's more than you have seen yet. And I see desires coming out of your heart that haven't been realized yet. And the Lord would say to you, realization is coming. Amen. Stretch forth your hands. Father, I just pray a blessing on Pastor Bernie. Lord, I pray increase, greater revelation, greater understanding. Lord, I pray for doors that would open that he would have never expected. Lord, for his family. Lord, for all the loved ones that he has. Lord, that things would happen that him and his wife would just shake their heads and just go, wow, this is amazing. And Lord, as he travels tomorrow, Lord, I just pray, oh God, that you'd give him a Philip experience. Whether he sleeps the whole time or whatever it is, but Lord, that it would be amazing at how fast and how quick that travel happens and is finished. Lord, I thank you for brothers and sisters around the world that we share the same love and the same passion and a moment together, Lord, is like spending weeks and weeks together. I pray a blessing over him now in your precious name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, Pastor Bernie. We have Soup Sunday, so um, I believe, Olivia, are you the one that's going to be receiving? So if you can get $5 per person or $20 for family, and it goes towards missions. God bless you. Bless the soup.